Well, I'm sitting here with uh, Giancarlo Volcano, um, who is the composer of uh, Unfinished Spaces and works on 30 Rock. And uh, well, thank you so much for doing this, Giancarlo. Thank you very much. So I guess to get started, um, how did you get into music and uh, what made you want to compose for uh, the visual mediums? I got into music in high, a little before high school, just playing guitar uh, in bands and stuff like that. And then I got into sort of jazz. By the time I was in college, I was really focused on jazz. And by the time I got out of college, I focused on composing, like uh, classical music, new music. And when I got out of college, I got a master's, uh, also in composition. But uh, I met Lenny Pickett, who's the music director for Saturday Night Live. And he asked me if I knew how to do, do music copying, and I told him yes. And uh, anyway, I got involved with Saturday Night Live. And through that, I got involved with Howard Shore, because uh, you know Howard has a long association with SNL because he was the first music director. Anyway, he was getting very busy of on Lord of the Rings, and uh, and so I just I got a job with Howard, and I honestly was more in that in the mind space of being a classical composer uh, until I, I you know and then I got a job with Howard, and over the years over the last ten years I've come to like really love the art of scoring films. Like I no longer if I ever had any sort of like uh, snobbish thing about being a classical composer. I think that's kind of gone out the window now because now I really love uh, working in film. Like, I don't think it's like sort of another thing I do. No, no, no. I like working in film. Mm -hmm. So that's the story. And, uh, I mean, I guess you know, being classical composer, did you have any uh, influences growing up, whether it be from composing or film composing or any other composers? Well, uh, I mean, my compose my ma my main composing uh, influences. I mean, they weren't from when I was a kid, but once I got into music, I was you know I still am uh, really into Stravinsky, mm -hmm. Morton Feldman, uh, Messiaen. Th those are kind of my big three as composers, and uh, you know, but Stravinsky going back to college. You know, I remember I was a freshman, so that means you're 18 years old, and I went to hear. Uh, Pierre Boulez conduct the Rite of Spring. I mean, I, Stravinsky's been a big deal in my life for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and now uh, with Unfinished Spaces, uh, which is a you know documentary, you were tasked with a, a very challenging job. I think you know, if, I mean, any documentary is challenging for a composer, but this one that is balancing uh, intellect and emotion that must have been hard to find that you know that line for the music to be. It was really hard. Another really hard thing was, uh, you know, whenever you do a film about a place like Cuba, for example, or it could be China or whatever, the uh, like the path of least resistance is always to sort of get into sort of like the ethn ethnom, like the the sounds of that place. In other words, if for Cuba, the, the temptation was really to lean on like a very Cuban salsa score mm -hmm. and. Uh, I, I definitely, like, first of all, I'm not the person to do that because I'm not really a Cuban expert musically. Uh, and secondly, I didn't want it to be about that. I didn't want, I didn't want the great artists to sort of be pigeonholed uh, as, like, Cuban. Uh, and so I, I stayed away from as much of, like, the salsa as we possibly could. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of the intellectual stuff, 
I was just I was trying to uh, connect the architecture with every other modernist uh, strain, you know, like modernist music. So I, I, I compose a lot more. Uh, again, it m might be a little bit Stravinsky and sort of very clean gestures. You know, I was just really trying to connect with what I was seeing with the buildings. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, then there were a few emotional cues, you know, because the guys themselves, the architects, are just such sympathetic characters. Um, but that stuff always writes itself, you know, whenever there's like something, uh, emotionally powerful that you're watching, I mean, the, the music writes itself, uh, when the stuff on the screen is powerful. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it, the challenge, you're right, it was the intellectual stuff and how to make that read and to sort of, uh, match the visuals of the buildings and stuff, yeah. And, uh... You know, working with a documentary, there's a lot of dialogue and interviews, so how hard is it for composers, for the music, not to trip up with the words? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's so much, like, there's so much music in Unfinished Spaces. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. Um, yeah, how do you not trip up? I don't know, you just sort of, you, you, you don't write the busiest stuff in the world, and you sort of uh, hope the mixer's good, and in this case, he was excellent. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you just, you just sort of like, you know, the dialogue and the music kind of tag team. And when mm -hmm. the dialogue is saying something very important, music is kind of pedaling. And then, you know, when, when, when they're doing things that are, I don't know, a little less interesting, I don't know, you know, you just pick your moments. You right, know, right. To, to sort of come out. Just to find places for the music to breathe. Totally. Mm hmm Totally. And in your opinion, what's the biggest difference between composing a nonfiction documentary versus a fictional narrative? That's a good question. Uh, I feel like, actually, I feel like documentaries. There's sort of like a, a like a language of, of documentary music mm -hmm. in, a weird, in a weird way. It's sort of like if you watch a lot of documentaries, the music the music is kind of similar a lot of the time. I think it's because of the thing you're saying with the dialogue. Right. Where it's like you gotta pedal a lot more than you might in a in a drama or something. So uh the the hard part in documentary is writing good music, basically. You know, it's like I think that people just want you know they're used to hearing a certain kind of music in, in a documentary. And that's not exactly what I was interested in writing. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So that was the hard part. Uh, yeah, I guess that... <laughs> in other words, when, when you're doing another kind of film, for example, like a narrative film, uh, you know, you can really invent the world of it and you can choose an, an orchestration that's sort of interesting in the context of the film. And I felt like in the documentary thing, it's sort of like... I don't know. To me, it just feels like there's sort of like a lang, a, like an established language of documentary film, mm -hmm. and, and and for me, that that was a challenge. Well, that, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, 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 there's definitely a different structure to documentary scoring, at least I think. Yeah. So and now, changing, you know, completely on the other side of the spectrum, you work on Dirty Rock with composer Jeff Richmond. Yeah. And uh, and I've always been interested to, to talk to someone who works on a you know thirty minute sitcom. So I mean, how does score function on that kind of platform? Uh, yeah, Thirty Rock is is a show. I I met him again through the SNL thing, mm -hmm. uh, and 
we we write music for every show, which is quite different than a lot of docu- uh, a lot of sitcoms, right? Where they sort of have a library of cues, and they just kind of do it, and we also score a lot more of the action uh, than you generally get in a comedy, a half-hour comedy. So um, basically what I'm trying to say is it's a lot of work because we score each episode. And the way it works, Jeff is really, he's like an executive producer on the show. He directs a lot of the shows. He's really, really involved in the editing of the show and the tone of each episode. So he's really got his fingers all over the place. Mm -hmm. So basically the way it works is that we wait until the show is locked and uh, score it, you know. And he—he's the composer. I'm kind of the second guy. Right. But uh, you know, he'll come up with themes for it, and we'll just kind of flesh that stuff out. And generally, a few days before we mix the show, we uh, we record it. Like I play all the guitar and all like the banjo that you hear. He plays all the saxophone, uh, piano that you hear. So so it's sort of like it's just a, it's it's like a film except very truncated, and you do it 23 times. Eight months, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I mean, comedy. I think comedy scoring, at least from. I mean, I'm not a musician, but I, I would think it would be the hardest type of music to write. Would you agree yeah. with that? You know, I think so. I, I'm so like so happy that I've had this opportunity. I've been with that show since season one, mm-hmm. and you, it's just so incredibly uh educational to work on a comedy and jeff is so great at writing comedy music uh it's been a real education so obviously it's complicated because you can't uh get no you know step on any jokes or or sort of step on any lines you're really dealing with a a structure that's sort of um a little more delicate than i don't know like a, a drama i would think you know like right or a fight scene or something it's kind of like uh it's a little more delicate but on the other hand, comedy, I just realized this, has this thing where if the music makes you laugh, then you know you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, all you have to do basically is wait until you're laughing at the music. Do you know what I mean? You just write music, and if it doesn't make you laugh, then it's not right. Mm-hmm. So in a way, that's easier than, um, for example, a, a psychological uh, drama where you can score it so many different ways and this and that you know in comedy it's like if it makes you laugh then it's kind of a success so in a way it's it's easier too but mm-hmm. it's, certainly, it's certainly complicated to score comedy right and uh, so what kind of time frame do you have working with the series is it I mean are you working week to week to week as episodes are churned out yeah yeah we basically go from like October to uh, April or something like that mm-hmm. And they film uh, each episode. It takes about a week to film, and then it takes probably another couple of weeks in the editing stage, where they're editing. Um, you know, each 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 episode goes through a certain amount of cuts. You know, like they make a cut, then they give notes, and they do another cut, and so there's a few cuts, and then it gets locked. And then, I mean, sometimes the show locks, and there's like, like literally four days to do everything. Wow. But um, but you know, you can do a lot of work before the show is actually locked, knowing that, well, you'll probably have to um, adjust things for the locked picture. But it also, um, 30 Rock has a lot of like pre-written musical stuff where characters sing, and there's a lot of musical numbers on the show. So mm-hmm. um, that actually kind of helps because you can really get ahead on that stuff. 
you know, because that, that might be two or three minutes of the episode that you've got done uh, really early on. So, but that's, that's basically the picture. I mean, the turnaround's outrageous. Sometimes it's four days, three days. It's just amazing. So compare, compared to season one to now, how, how is your workflow? Is it, you know, so much easier now? Like compared to season one, like really hectic for those first couple episodes? Well, I mean, now it's like we have 3,000 pieces of music in the library. So we can really draw on stuff. So sometimes, you know, each episode has a theme, I would say. And Jeff, you know, Jeff writes sort of like a theme that gets used for the main storyline of that episode but there's you know there's little sh- you know act opens or act closes we don't write all of those so a lot of that stuff is sort of from the library right um the first episodes i think were probably harder because you're always trying to figure out what the hell the music is going to be like yeah like what what how much is there going to be how are you going to use it you know what i mean so um we're kind of in a sweet spot right now just because the role of the music is really clear, and also there's a, a big library of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you you also met, you mentioned earlier that you worked uh, with Howard Shore uh, earlier in your career. Uh, yeah. uh, looking back on that, what's the most important thing you learned from working with him? Man, I learned a lot from Howard too. I mean, I was so lucky because I, I I worked on all the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked on like three Scorsese movies and uh, and a David Cronenberg movie. I mean, it's just it was an amazing experience. You know, he's you know each composer does it his or her own way. Right. So um, you just learn Howard's method and his sort of. Um, I mean, his workflow is pretty intense too. You, you just you know you, I don't know it's, it's it's you just learn so much in addition to like all the sort of musical things you know the 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 tricks he's got up his sleeve you know i'm sure every composer has different tricks up his sleeve but howard certainly has a lot of them and then you sort of you see howard sort of um you know address a director's notes you know for example in a recording session the director might say this or that and just to see how howard like addresses that that's a fascinating thing because i think it's it's um like when you're when you're when you're composing and someone says they don't like the music, your impulse is always to sort of throw the whole piece out and start from scratch. But a lot of times it's like they, they don't really not like the whole piece, and there's certain adjustments that can be made whereby they become very happy with the piece. And so I mean, How, Howard is a master of sort of listening to the director and sort of understanding on a very like nonverbal level what the guy wants. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting, and you know he's he's I mean he wrote such great music. I don't know you just you just <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. I mean it's such an amazing score just to be around that for three years. That was pretty yeah, great. That must yeah. have been, that must have been amazing. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, looking I guess starting to wrap up. Is there anything that you're working on that you can talk about, or is everything? I'm doing another documentary, uh, which is great. It's called. The Longest Game. It's a feature-length doc uh, by Camille Thoman, who's a director who I've I scored a short by her mm-hmm. as well, and uh, it's a much less it's a much more personal documentary than Unfinished Spaces. That's sort of very uh, very emotional film. I mean, I think Unfinished Spaces was too, 
But this is a really personal and emotional documentary. It's really being told in an interesting way. Uh, I think it's going to be very special when it's finished. So I'm working on that. And I, it looks like I'm going to do another a feature-length comedy, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not supposed to talk about. But uh, So I'm getting to do a comedy, hopefully, which is great. Oh, well, looking forward to to that being announced. Um, okay. Now, I always like to finish off, I, I like to ask every composer uh, this question. Uh, if you had the opportunity to score any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, uh, what movie would you choose? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I would probably do Twin Peaks all oh. three seasons, yeah. Wow, all right. That's a, that's I mean, I, I say, I'd probably just do exactly what Angela did. I, I feel like that's... Some of the greatest music of all time for for a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that or Chinatown, Jerry Goldsmith. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just those two. Um, well, Giancarlo, thank you so much. I'm out of questions for you, but uh, I really hope we can do this again sometime. It's been a, a real pleasure. Pleasure for me too. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay,